right now we're back for another episode of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here from Lakers Fast Break, Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, and Inside Sports Fantasy Football. Thanks so much for listening to all of our shows. And if you can go ahead and give us that five-star review or also subscribe, like, share, whatever you can do to support these shows, it is appreciated. Well, I'm still in recovery mode from our mock draft earlier this week. Just uh, need to take a deep breath. Try to relax because it was getting kind of nervous in the draft rooms right there. I know a lot of NFL teams had the same issue, but we had an awesome episode this week of the NBA's version of the first round mock draft with not only my guests that I'm having on today's show, but the guys, the the Barlow brothers from NBA Draft Junkies and also as well Michael Weisenberg from thestepian.com. If you get a chance, please listen to that episode. It, it's a, it was a blast. We're hopefully we're going to be able to follow it up on Tuesday with a second round. And then also as the lottery finishes up and the, you know, the picks become more clear, we're going to go ahead and hopefully get a chance later on this year to revisit it just before NBA draft time. We've talked so much in recent weeks about the NBA draft for this year, but what about some of the players and contenders for next year's draft? I know we talked a little bit to my next guest here and also as well, Rafael Barlow from NBA Draft Junkies about the changes that have been made with the NBA and the G League and the instructional team that they're supposedly designing from the ground up. They're already luring players that were either headed to college or overseas. But I wanted to talk to this individual today about not only how will that affect next year's draft, but some of the players involved and and some of the people that he is starting to watch already, and that is Stone Hansen. He's here today from DraftSide.com. you got to check out all the great stuff he's doing today at DraftSide.com. Stone, you made that pick for the Lakers. Do you still feel good about it today? Still feel good. Uh, I like that pick a lot for them, actually. So, Well, that's good. Trey Jones, uh, I thought that was a very, very solid pick. Like you said, uh, you, know, you don't put the, the heavy expectations on a pick 29th in the first round. Somebody who can contribute. If he can contribute within the first couple of years, and if he can also contribute in a way that is a positive for you by providing some great playmaking ability and also as well uh, some some decent shooting from a backup point guard position, or even playing off LeBron, and you know allowing him to go ahead and uh, be a little bit more of a freelancer per se, that would be awesome. And I know you mentioned uh, one thing. I got to uh, pick a bone with you. You said the words as Rondo gets older. My friend, Rondo has already at that age. So I, I don't know if you heard my previous shows here, but Rondo is not one of my go-to people at this point in time. I was a big fan of him in his prime, but he's definitely uh, over the hill at this point. So, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping we'll get playoff Rondo if the playoffs are to return. But sometimes uh, it's out there. It's just painful to watch. Uh, when he's not hitting his three, uh, his defense is, at this point in time, which he was so vaunted for as far as playing off the ball defense and whatnot, you know, leading the league in steals, very high up in that category. Those days are gone. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I've remarked to Laker Tom of Lakerholics.net on numerous occasions about just watch him on the floor, try to follow somebody through screens or going around screens or going around cuts or whatnot. He will go ahead and after a few steps, just say, take my man. Go ahead. Go ahead. You got him. I'll get yours. 
just because he doesn't want to go through all the, the legwork on all that. And I, I've seen that on more than one occasion. He has made Kyle Kuzma visibly angry on yeah. the floor in regards to that. And that's exactly a, a place I think Trey Jones would be able to help them if the Lakers hypothetically did get him. He's a, he's a really strong defender as a guard, so I think he'd be able to help them in that way. But it's going to be hard to break that. I got to go ahead and play with veterans who have a name values who I know and play so much, you know, in that mentality with LeBron, obviously Alex Caruso has tried to hit through that glass ceiling. And we've seen that already. I mean, Alex Caruso is not the be all end all. He's not the full fix it solution to all these problems, but he is playing categorically better than Rondo should get more of a, a, maybe a larger share of the minutes at this point in time than Rondo, but there's often occasions where Rondo is the first guard out and Caruso isn't. Caruso sometimes held off as almost like a fire extinguisher, break the glass in case of emergency. And to me, that's been kind of disappointing because when he gets the opportunity, for the most part, he's been able to produce at a higher level more consistently than Rajon Rondo. Yeah, Caruso, I mean, he's a better player all around than Rondo at this point, but I think um, the way the Lakers see it is that Rondo's a better playmaker. Uh, so when LeBron is not out there, they want someone who can carry that load. And Caruso uh, just isn't as good a playmaker. That's the one area that Rondo does have him beat. So uh, I think that's probably how the Lakers view it from their perspective. But is definitely a better defender and um, off-ball shooter and just provides more value than Rondo at this point. I just wish he had retained a little bit more of that shooting acumen that he had in that sample size of about 30 games last season. Uh, it would have been nice if he would have that. If he if he had that percentage that he had or anywhere near it that he had in that sample size last year, my gosh, uh, you know, there would not be a question. I think that would probably be the case because that I think is right now, like you said, the playmaking ability and also as well, his inconsistent shooting for this year has been the only things that have held him back and only allowed us to get sample sizes of Alex Caruso. Now, I'm not going to be one of those that's calling for Alex Caruso to be the sixth man of the year, greatest of all time, adding him to the all-star roster and all that. I mean, but I'm trying to keep it on the real, but when it comes to what we're seeing now, I mean, if this season gets back underway, I mean, the Lakers are going to need solid contributions from not just Rajon Rondo, but also Alex Caruso as well. I think during the regular season, Caruso um, is just, just provides more value when he's on the court. Um, his burst of athleticism when he gets out in transition and uh, picking pockets and passing lanes, um, he's just a much better defender at this point. Um when you get to the playoffs, though, uh, you might see Rondo get a heavier load. Um, teams tend to count on their veterans more, and um, there there is such thing as playoff Rondo. Uh, he does he does take it to another level when he gets to that point. So I think there's still value in him for a little bit longer, at least for that purpose. But um, I I definitely would roll with Caruso during at least for the regular season with uh, a lot more minutes. Exactly. So hopefully they're going to find a better blend if we are fortunate enough to go ahead and finish out the season and get into the playoffs. I understand that Rajon Rondo has that playoff experience that Alex Caruso doesn't, but if Alex Caruso can continue his momentum, 
that he's played with over the course of the, the season, especially on the defensive end where he's one of the highest, uh, you know, where, where he has one of the highest defensive ratings in the NBA. If he can continue that, then he's going to be a valuable asset come playoff time. Yeah, for sure. And I actually just saw something on Twitter today where he's like uh, number 10 in steal percentage in Lakers history already. So uh, he's definitely making his mark. He's, he's a really great defender. Absolutely. And as I spoke about with Laker Tom before uh, from Lakerholics.net, it's funny because, you know, at some point in time, he's going to have to cash in. And he is already in his mid-20s. So Laker fans may not be able to get an extended sample size much longer for Alex Caruso. I know he has another year on his contract, but come the summer of 2021 or fall or whenever they do the fall, you know, the 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 summer of Antetokounmpo, let's just call it that, uh, there's also going to be the summer of Caruso, and he's going to be a very hot commodity out there on the marketplace. So Laker fans, enjoy him while you can because it may not last. Exactly. Well, my friend, you've done some work already. You've started your investigation, not only uh, obviously to the extent for this year's draft in 2020 and, and your picks, which were, I'm sure, much better than mine uh, in the NBA uh, mock draft. Know. We'd go to prove that. I mean, I know everybody was calling my Obi top, and I just see the, I just saw the look on everybody's face. Why that high? I just, for me, at that point in time, Obi Toppin was a fit for for Detroit that needs everything, and I thought. I think that they're going to lose Christian Wood, and I think he's the closest thing in this draft to a Christian Wood-type scenario for them. So I think that's probably what I was looking for because I, I really think Christian Wood, if he was smart, he would go ahead and cash out as best he can in this salary cap-less season to go ahead and maybe join a contender or whatnot. But I wanted to ask you this. Uh, you know, We're moving on right now for this episode to the 2021 season. And, you know, I, I know we've talked a little bit on the, the NBA mock draft show about the G League and the NBA and their, you know, their, their decision to go ahead after some of these uh, formerly one and done players. Like we talked about before, Isaiah Todd has signed up, also as well Jalen Green. Uh, you know, these, these players, uh, you know, they're, they're being offered, you know, nice amounts of money that now are competitive with what they're seeing overseas and maybe under the table when it concerns the colleges that they're you know, being recruited by. But you're seeing this now that's playing out, the scenario and whatnot, and mixed in with some former NBA players, NBA G Leaguers, and also NBA coaching staffs. So, uh, I'm going to say like the PJ Carlissimos of the world that have that coaching experience that work for the NBA in various aspects and, and things of that nature and would, wouldn't mind go ahead and teaching these young players with that kind of instruction that they're going to get. I mean, I'm just guessing on PJ Carlosmo, but I'm assuming he would be I'll probably asked for something like this. It, with that kind of instruction, what do you see for these players that choose that option? Do you see their development to be much better than, let's say, going overseas or even staying with a program like Duke, Kentucky, et cetera, et cetera? Uh, so one thing is uh, linear isn't parallel for – or um, development isn't linear for all players. Uh, guys, you know, blossom later. Some guys are early bloomers. Um, so it's really hard to get a grasp as far as that. Um if you go to college, um, I mean, 
it, I can't necessarily say it's more structured because I'm not really sure exactly yet how this G League will pan out. But um, you do have, I, I would assume, a bit more of a structure day-to-day -day, um, practices, schoolwork, such as that. It keeps you kind of in check. And I think it, it does help grow some people up. But uh, for others, it, playing against um, guys who are, you know, kind of fighting for their lives uh, to say, to get into the league, uh, playing those guys night in and night out, I think is probably um, maybe tougher competition. Um, you know, guys have a lot more enthusiasm or passion um, at that level who are trying to make a two-way contract or something like that. So if you're playing guys who are, you know, trying to win and play their hearts out every single night, I think you you do grow up as fast. Um, but I can't I can't really speak for player to player because it does it does vary from from each individual. And I, yeah, that's right. But I think the best opportunity at this point in time for these players is to maybe seek out that option because if your end goal is to get into the NBA and to have the highest draft status possible, I, I would think your I should say, I think your best chance and your best opportunity to become that player, if you're not really serious about college at this time and you only want to use it as a development tool, is that option. Yeah, uh, it is situational too. Um, like you see, sometimes in college, uh, it just isn't a good fit, uh, as you saw with Cole Anthony this year or maybe Nasir Little last year. Sometimes college, the team they choose and the class they're in with, just isn't a really good fit for them. Other times it works in their favor. You see guys like Grant Riller, uh, who's made a really strong career for himself and probably a first round pick this year. Uh, he just has the green light at, um, uh, I'm blanking on the name of his school. Well, Zion, Wim Zion Williamson is probably the case in point of recent times, someone who wasn't the number one uh, choice, number one on, on people's draft boards going into his year at Duke. But once he came out of it with a tremendous season on that platform in front of all those fans, all the ratings, all the hoopla, all the hype that he helped create, he came out of it on the other side, the definitive number one pick out of it. So it goes both ways, and I get that. And I know you will not be playing, for the most part, in front of audiences anywhere near that realm while playing for the G League. But, you know, you it, it just, again, it comes to the, the amount of time that you're going to be able to work on and hone your game in a G League format, even from overseas, from you transferring and going and, and flying all over to Australia, China, Europe, where have you, and instead staying in Southern California, being able to, for the most part anyways, unless you're traveling to a game, and being able to work with NBA individuals on your craft. I mean, I that to me, for an individual such as Isaiah Todd, especially not Jalen Green, because Jalen Green, we already know the kind of talent he has, but for someone like Isaiah Todd, who's on that fringe, mm -hmm. this could be a make-or-break deal for his draft status. Yeah, definitely. It also depends on the talent surrounding them, too. Uh, but yeah, when you have access to those kind of resources, I think you'll, you have a huge opportunity right there to, to take advantage of strong development. Um, you talk about, you know, just practices with uh, former NBA professionals that can give you a lot more insight 
than maybe what um, a college coaching staff can, as opposed to, you know, maybe some of them have been there for a long time, but just in general. Um, and you have professionals, shooting coaches, things like that, that have done this for, you know, so many years with big name players. And if you get that sort of feedback and um, information to help you work on your craft, then I think that's uh, invaluable, really. We're signaling the ref for a quick timeout, but we'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. I see the potential for basically like another Netflix kind of paradigm shift where here comes this other major player. They have a ton of resources. Apple could change the way that entertainment is consumed. They say it's the only time this year that you'll have stars from each brand battling each other. And we know it's not going to be the case, but they like to say that and more power to them, I guess. Well, it's a big first step bringing all those superheroes together. There were definitely some parts of the movie that I that I really enjoyed. And then there were some parts that I thought just kind of fell short of expectation. Part of it has to be something to do with how it's being promoted. And this is a thing where audiences do not agree with critics. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse, every week on Apple Podcasts. And over a dozen of your favorite streaming and podcasting options. Once again, I was speaking to Stone Hansen from DraftSide.com. you got to see all of his great work today at DraftSide.com. And one of the things that you're going to be coming up with here in the near future is an updated draft board for the picks for 2021. I'm not going to ask you to rank them real quick or anything like that, but you have an idea already formulating in your head as far as who is better than who at this stage of the game. Uh, and it clearly is right now where it's either one or two between Jalen Green or Cade Cunningham. Uh, your thoughts on each, and is there one that you're preferring at this point in time over the other? Yeah, for me, I know Jalen Green, just with this announcement and everything, has gotten a lot of more hype and such just over the last week or so. But for me, it's definitely still Cade. He's up there, I think, in my opinion, with uh, Luca or Zion, top prospect, just a generational talent you know, a six seven guard who has ball handling ability and creativeness such as him, I think it's uh he's really a can't miss prospect and you're gonna get an all star at the very least, I think, with him. Jalen Green is um you know another strong prospect. Top five lock at this point. I wouldn't say he's a top three lock because a lot can change. But I do think he's it's a good chance for him to go top three. I would say, and I do prefer Kate over him. Do you think any more big names at this point in time are going to pull out of their commitment and go into this G League format? Because, again, you're talking about individuals for the most part at near or at the top of the draft that are going to be considering self, for the most part, a one-and-done deal. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's It's really tough to say at this point. I'm not as plugged in as some others who – who know a lot more about recruiting and such as that. So I'm not sure how um, easily guys can change their minds. Um, I think I heard that the G League is trying to keep it to a few guys because they don't necessarily want this to be, you know, all one and done players who are fighting for minutes every single night. So I think you might see maybe one or two others. Uh, I'm not exactly sure who those would be. 
I think I think Todd and Green will for sure be the two biggest names on that team. Fair enough, fair enough on that. And, uh, you know, when it comes to some of the other names that you might be following, I mean, I'm not asking you to rank them like three, four, or five, because like you said, it, the the pretty much at this point in time, one and two deals are thought of by out there as Cade Cunningham and Jalen Green. But is there anybody that you're keeping an eye on that you might think is either a top 10, top 20, or top 30 at this point in time that you think may move up because you have this feeling that they're going to go ahead and develop in this one-year span of time much better than anybody else had anticipated? Uh, I think someone who... I think some people have him still top 10 maybe, but I think we'll move up a lot of boards is Usman Garuba. Plays overseas, just really developed big man who who really has no weaknesses, kind of a jack-of-all-trades type center. And I think as we progress and get further and further along throughout this year that he'll, he'll start moving up boards a lot. Um, and another guy I like a lot who is probably a top five prospect uh, is Evan Mobley, who's um, uh, whose brother is at USC actually already. He's just a really fluid big man, six eleven or so, seven foot, who moves like a wing or guard. Just very very fluid uh, basketball player who has control over his body at a, a really good rate at this point. And I think you'll you'll start seeing him become a top three to five block as we get closer. And that's one thing I wanted to ask you is one thing I see a little bit more in next year's draft than I do in this year's draft is size, a little bit Mm -hmm. more size, a little bit more seven footers with some talent that is being eyed upon as being a first round possibility per se, than I'm seeing this year from the 2020 draft. In fact, our selections Once we got past Jonathan Wiseman, it was just basically a couple 6'10", 6'11", players, and then pretty much else it was wings or guards. There was really no other center center per se for the rest of the round, which I guess is indicative of of today's NBA. So I'm noticing that this draft uh, coming up next year, not this year, might be a little bit more focused on some size. Yeah, and I think when you compare that to this year, it's, I think, extremely guard-heavy compared to most other drafts. I mean, in the lottery, there's probably, in my top 14 at least, I think there's nine guys that are guards. So you have just a lot of guard and wing talent in this draft. And you do have a lot of second-round talent, uh, big men, like Vernon Carey Jr. maybe, or Zeke Naji, late first, early second guys. But they're skill sets are pretty replaceable. So in 2021, I think you'll see you'll see guys rise up based upon the fact uh, big men rise up based upon the fact that guys like Evan Mobley or Usman Garuba who can put the ball on the floor, move fluidly, provide more modern day big men skill sets. I think you'll start seeing them become more more valuable uh, whereas in this draft I think there's a lot of rim runners and Guys, they're just easable, easily replaceable that you can find on minimum contracts. So I think that's that's probably the biggest difference. I agree with you on that. And next year's draft, to me, will probably be a little bit more intriguing based off of potential and the size and, and the things they can do. Because I, 
again, like I see just some names being tossed out there right after what we're seeing with Green and Cunningham. We're seeing some seven-footers, some really tall individuals, 6'10", 6'11", 7 feet, mixed in there more than what we're seeing this year. So it might be more intriguing from that standpoint. Uh, one thing I did want to ask you, though, is we're going to see eventually, you know, as it gets close to the draft, some names from this year popping off and saying, you know what, I, I don't have an agent, so I can leave. I'm thinking I'm not going as high as I want to. Look at all the projections. Don't think this is a smart move for me. I think if I come back and I have a good year next year, I think I'm going to go be able to go a little bit higher next year. So we're going to probably see some mixed in results. I mean, uh, you know, Pritchard from Oregon, I know he's used as the example more than once on, on our show as someone who went back, had a great year and is even better at this point. I, I think a player more ready than he was at this point last year. So do you see some players uh, that are out there right now in the 2020 draft or at this point in time has made themselves eligible that are thinking maybe it's better if they come back and be someone to be eligible for next year's draft? I think the the biggest name, in my opinion, that's returning is uh, Jeremiah Robinson Earl out of Villanova. Uh, I was pretty high on him coming in, and I think he's he already has said that he's returning for next year. He's, you know, just this big wing, 6'9 or so, who can defend multiple positions. Although um, at an NBA level, I think he will struggle a little bit more at, with that. Kind of a three-level scorer. He can he can shoot from, from all three levels relatively well. Struggles with creativity a bit. But I think, I think he's going to return to Villanova and put up some big numbers next year. I think you'll see a lot of guys, though, stay in this class because it is a weaker draft than 2021. Um, I think if they, most guys, if they have any sort of chance really of getting drafted, I think you'll probably see them stay in just because the talent level is deeper and stronger in 2021. Well, fair enough. I think, like I said, that's taking some, I want to say some great insight by yourself on that. And I just appreciate you taking time to speak to me in regards to the 2021 draft. Overall, let's wrap this up right now. From what you're seeing, we've talked about the 2020 draft having no major starts. It has a lot of similarities to 2013. On the surface, there was no major stars that pop out at you. Uh, Maybe an all-star here or there, maybe. But a lot of great role players that might be able to be in the mix if you pick wisely. But overall depth and, and overall stardom were something to be questioned about throughout the 2020 draft. Do you see the 2021 draft as being something superior, being something better when everything all fleshes out? Yeah, I, I mean, I definitely think uh, it's deeper, which I think a lot of people are giving credit to for this 2020 draft. I would say this 2020 draft, when you do get to the second round, there's a pretty steep drop-off, I would say. And in 2021, I think you're going to see a lot of players who still have pretty high floors in that in that range. And then I think their star power there is also pretty strong compared to 2020, where Cade Cunningham, I think, is one of those elite-tier prospects. Jalen Green and Evan Mobley, I would probably take number one in this class. So I, I think the star power and the depth is there for 2021 in comparison. 
It looks like it. I think there's a lot more people excited about the 2021 draft. I mean, obviously, when the G League and the NBA made this decision to go after some players, that it created that interest, not only because just the fact that they're doing it, but the fact that it's it's because of the players that they're after are more exciting than some of the players we're seeing now in the 2020 draft. So right there in a nutshell, that tells you a lot of these scouts, a lot of these teams are focusing some attention already, like you are, on the 2021 draft coming out. That's very interesting to see. Yeah, for sure. I think I think a lot of uh, scouts and management and stuff like that are have already looked ahead. Well, I'll tell you what. As a fellow Lakers fan, it's great to have you back on the show one more time. I'm looking forward to hopefully getting the second round of the mock draft underway next week and hopefully not providing any more comedy for you guys out there. But uh, be that as it may, Stone, I wanted you to go ahead before we head on out, just get everybody up to date on what you're doing, where can they find your work, and why do they need to check out if they, you know, your stuff, if they need to go ahead and get focused on what's going on, not only with the 2021 draft, but this year's draft as well. Yeah, so you can follow me on Twitter at report underscore court. Uh, I post all of my work there. On draft site, I just try to keep the 2020 mock draft updated as much as possible based upon what I think uh, teams will pick, not based upon my opinions per se, although I will put out boards occasionally. Top 100 should be coming out pretty soon. 2021 draft, I hopefully will start digging in deep deeper once the 2020 draft is over uh, is when I really start digging in. But I should have that mock updated within the next month or so. So uh, you guys can get a better grasp on where I think players will, will land. And absolutely, if they have any questions to speak to directly on it, that's at report court. That's at report underscore court. Is that correct on Twitter? Yeah, correct. All right. And if you have any questions for us here on the show, or if you forget report court, you can always go ahead and I'll forward a, a message to Stone at Lakers fast break at yahoo.com or at Lakers fast break on Twitter. I'll be glad to go ahead and pass the message along and he can go ahead and correlate with you directly. I know I always have questions on the NBA draft. So I ask him, I ask the Barlows, I ask Michael Weisenberg. These are all great references. And I'll tell you what, it's just so great to have you on the show. And I'm looking forward to finishing up that second round. I was kind of surprised that you guys wanted to go ahead and do that. And all of you were eager to do so. Just because of the fact that I think, like that was talked about, it's going to take a lot more uh, evaluation to go ahead and try and come out with these with the, some prospects in the second round that might stick in the NBA. Yeah, I think when you get down to that point, it's less about team fit and more about best player available. And I think for a lot of us who are really strong uh, into the draft, just more fun the deeper you go and the, the lesser known names. Well, I'll tell you what, Stone, it's just been awesome to have you on the show. We got to do a one-on-one again real soon, uh, talking more about what's going on in the NBA draft or in the NBA as a whole. You know, as a fellow Lakers fan, I cannot thank you enough again for being a part of it. I know you and I are hopefully going to go ahead and see the Lakers get a chance to finish this season off and finish this season off in the right way. Maybe here in Vegas, you never know. Our mayor seems to want to go ahead and throw everything out there as soon as possible. But, you know, that's another story altogether. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I hope they're back soon, and I appreciate you having me back on. Always, my friend. You're always welcome, and just so great to have you part 
of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast.